David is king of Israel. And Samuel has now been commissioned by God and told what to do. It's not hard to follow God. If you'll listen, he'll tell you what to do. And the Bible says that Samuel said to Jesse when they got to Jesse's house, just like God told him to do it, they got there and Jesse, or Samuel rather, looked over Jesse's sons. And uh, he said, is this all of your children? He said, are, are, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And then Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him. Listen, for we will not sit down till he come thither. Now David was about to be anointed king. And the preacher, the prophet of that day, said, I have a task to do, and I'm not going to sit down till I see the king. You're going to have to bring him here. We're not going to eat. We're not going to rest. We're not going to sit down. We're not going to relax. We're not going to give up our posture. We're going to stand until we see the king. And ladies and gentlemen, I come to you tonight with that proposition. Every one of us, as God's people, as Samuel said, we ought not sit down, we ought not relax, we ought not pull over in the rest area yet. Because we've got a vision of a king coming, and we're not going to be found sleeping, we're not going to be found resting in a working place. We're not going to be found idle in a working place. We're going to keep on standing. Look at your preacher tonight and say that with me. I'm going to keep on standing. Say it. I'm going to keep on standing. There's a whole lot of people who have sat down. The chairs are full. But the platforms need some standers on them. The sitters are everywhere. The recliners are full. The rocking chairs are moving in the Christian age and generation we live in. But I'll tell you one thing, we, along with Samuel, ought to say, we will not sit down till he come hither. Our Father, help us, I pray, tonight to do the best we can with what we have and anoint us to do the task for the next few moments. And we'll certainly be careful at the end of it all. If anything happens, good, it'll be God. If anything happens, Gracefully, it'll be God. If anything happens positively, it'll be the Lord. So help us tonight to see that accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. We as a church are probably postured at a dangerous place. It's real easy when you got everything going your way to think about Let's just rest a while. For instance, you pay off a building, you have the deed, and you hold as a good steward the facilities that belong to God, but you hold them as a good steward. They belong to Him, but we're stewards of it till He comes. And God has paid it off. We, we have come from a lean-to clap board, 50-seat auditorium, with the wind blowing through the jet lap siding and the roof leaking, 
and a big old fan producing air, and the windows up for air conditioning. No carpet on the floor except little sections where the older people sat and their feet couldn't get cold. At one time in that building over there, if it rained hard, water would run underneath the wall, and we'd have to lift our feet up to listen to the rest of the sermon. But people stayed with it, and they stuck by it. And God blessed us. But I want to tell you tonight, God hadn't blessed us, and God hadn't rewarded us for us to relax. God wants to hear another gear shifting. God wants to see it hit into another place in transition. God's not interested in our successes yet. He's interested in us finishing successful. God doesn't want us to throw our feet up on the desk and rear back with our head in our hands and tell the world how great we are yet because we're not home yet. We have not seen the king as yet. We're still in the anointing business. We're still in the serving business. We're still in business for God. We have not yet seen the king, and along with Samuel, I'd like to say, I'm not going to sit down yet. I'm not going to relax yet. I'm not going to kick back yet. Do you know that the easiest thing for me as the pastor of this church is to maintain? The easiest thing for me is to just keep on preaching and just keep on encouraging and say, well, the building's full almost every service. It's easy for me to say the offerings are way more than they've ever been, and we don't have any problems and very few bills. We don't have a whole lot of stress, and we don't have a whole lot of strain. Any business in the secular world that gets to where we are usually goes backwards because they start playing golf three days a week, because they start going to the country club. You see, their excess of money has pushed them into an excess of luxury. And they don't do what it took to build the business. Every one of them are the same. I can take you and tell you business after business after business that is short-lived or if it stays any amount of time, it has them ups and downs. And you'll find them downs in those places of relaxation and recreation. You'll find them ups when the people who have charge of it are working and they are uh, understanding what's going on in their business. Let me say something to you business folks. You want to go in the, in the brink quick, turn your business over to people that work for you. I'll guarantee people around here every once in a while, they'll say, uh, I don't know why in the world preacher's got his nose in everything. Because everything is a place right here where my nose fits. Why? Because my nose is the only one that's ever been in it. And the easiest thing for me to do is I don't have one person working for me that's not accountable weekly. Not one. Not that they can't be. That's not the way you keep it going. Not, you're never going to keep it. And you can take all of this to work, and it works. You're never going to get what you expect. You're going to get what you inspect. You better watch over with the same fervency when you get comfortable as you did when you didn't have nothing. And if you'll keep working as you worked when you had nothing, you'll keep your something something.
if you don't work and you turn it over to somebody who you pay as a hireling, he will not love it like you will. I come back here at 2 o'clock in the morning from a meeting. I want to ride around the parking lot and make sure all the lights are burning. Nobody else wants to do that. Now, you don't have to get quiet. They're not sorry people because they don't want to do that. They're just sleeping. I ride around and want to make sure that, that, that everything's doing what it's supposed to do. I come in here and check buildings. I'll go in, turn lights on. I'll go over to my office and check the mail to make sure I didn't miss nothing. Why? That's what i done when I had 20 people. How do you think you get 500 folks to have confidence in you? You keep doing what you was doing when you got them. I didn't come to say all this, but every one of you need to listen. You're going out and pastor churches. You're going out and work in the business world. You're going out and, and, and you're going to, God's going to honor your gifts and callings, and he's going to put some responsibility on you. And I want to tell you, if you'll take that responsibility and do your best with it, when it's succeeding, don't sit down. That's not the time to sit. Well, when can I sit? When you see the king. Right now, he's out there shepherding the sheep. Right now, he's out there doing for the flock what the flock needs. But one of these days, he's going to come and get the sheep. And one of these days, I like it when it said, Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. I said, Soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. I said, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. But we're not going to sit down and wait on him. We're not satin till we see you say, that's not my philosophy. I can figure out who would say that. It's not a great big secret around here who would utter such a foolish statement. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you want to sit and eat, and that was the custom when you entered a house, what Samuel was saying was put the food up. What Samuel was saying, don't pull a chair out for me. What Samuel was saying is turn the stove off. What Samuel was saying was shut the refrigerator door. What Samuel was saying was shut the cupboard. What Samuel was saying, ain't time to sit. I ain't sitting down until you bring me. And I am going to one day sit down. Give me my verse, Tim. Here's the other one. I like this one, Luke 13, 29. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. Who? Those folks have been waiting on the king. Those folks who have been walking with the king. Those folks who have been under the burden and under the yoke of the king. That crowd that shouts about the king. That crowd that's in the king business, not the chair business. That crowd's not looking for a table filled with what they want to eat. But that crowd that's willing to fill the table and eat with those who cannot fill it because they don't have what it takes to fill it up. Thank God tonight I sure am glad that I'm not in the sitting stage yet. I'm not to the comfort zone yet. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You're going to have a hard time putting up with me if you want to kick your feet back. 
There are some churches where you can go and do that, but we're not going to be one of them. There's still souls out there dying and going to hell. There's still homeless people that don't have anything. There's still people who are as lost as a ball in high weave. There's still folks that need Christ. And as long as there's a lost man breathing, we need to keep our eyes on the king coming, not the chair filling up. Are you listening? <laughs> now, are you really listening? Now, uh, listen to me, if you will, please. First of all, we have got to stand in our purpose. We cannot sit in it. God has given me a purpose. God has given you a purpose. We're not to sit around and gripe about our purpose. We're not to sit around trying to figure out how we can get out of our purpose. We're not to sit around and try to let somebody else fulfill our purpose. We're not to sit around and give excuses about our purpose. We ought to shout, glory to God, He loved me enough to put me in my purpose. And because I'm in my purpose, I'm going to fulfill my person, my purpose. And because God thought enough of my ability and God thought enough of my life after He found it, I'm going to live for my purpose. I'm not going to sit down because my purpose needs me standing up. I'm not going to relax now because my purpose is more important than my relaxation. My purpose. Have you got a purpose? You see, my problem is I meet up with purpose. I know what God called me to do. I know what God commissioned me to do. I know what God stamped His approval on me to do. The Bible says in Romans 11:29, For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When God calls you, God calls you. It's not ever going to be an uncall. It's not ever going to be a no call. They're not going to chant it. They're not going to see the intent of the vote. They're not going to hold it up to the light. Thank God the Bible says He called us. And when He called us, He laid a purpose on us. And when He laid a purpose on us, He decided, I want you standing till you see the King. Don't get hung up on the hardships. Don't get hung up on the difficulty. God, give you a purpose. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Several of you have come and told me you get discouraged easily. I know how that feels. Some of you have come and told me Christmas time is a time of melancholy for me. Some of you told me, some of you told me, some of you told me. Things that let me know your heart's heavy. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Get you some 2020 vision toward God. Get your eyes off of Cronkite. Get your eyes off of Dan Rathen. Get your eyes off the media. And get your eyes out of the paper. And get your ears off the phone. And decide, God, put a purpose in my heart. Until God fulfills that purpose, I am going to be looking for the king. If God calls you to sing, sing on. If God calls you to teach, teach on. If God calls you to preach, preach on. Why? That's your purpose. I'm going to stay on the purpose. Second Thessalonians 2 and 14, wherein to he called you by our gospel to the attaining of glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that's saying? God has called you, and until you obtain the glory, until you sit in the glory, until you inhabit glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, you stay in your purpose, and you keep looking for the king. First Peter 2, 9, that you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Notice it don't say in there you're recliner people. Notice it doesn't say you're restful people. Notice it does not say you're recreational people. It says you're a funny bunch. It says you're a different crowd. It says you're unique in your purpose. 
John, don't you get discouraged over your job. Don't you lay down now because it's not going like you thought. Don't you sit down and quit now. Glory to God. It's time to grab the gear shift and double clutch that sucker and decide you're going to throw it in overdrive. You're not going back. Where are you going if you turn around? You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you. Say that with me. Who have called you. Say that with me. Who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Bible also tells us and uh, gives us more than with some of these that I wrote, uh, read to you, but it encourages us to stand in our purpose. Some of the best friends I've had in the ministry are less purposeful than I am tonight. They sit down and they quit. They went off chasing something that wasn't theirs. They went, off, they went after bigger fish to fry. They got hung up in a secular world. They got hooked up in a secular sideline. And before you know, they were derailed. I want to tell you something. God's counting on you. And God's counting on me. I'm a far cry from perfect, and you know that. And you're a far cry from perfect, and I know that. So let's just both admit we're all imperfect. But hallelujah to God, we're not sitters. We're not going to sit around. We're not going to recline and kick our feet up. We're not going to look for that relaxing place. We got our eyes on the king, and we're going to kill him like Samuel did until you bring him. We ain't eat the bite until you bring him, and we see him when he's sitting down. We're not giving up, giving out, or giving in until we see the king. Somebody, good God Almighty, give him praise and glory. Now, let me ask you something. Do you really want to see the king in the purpose that you're living in right now? You say, all I'm interested in is heaven. I doubt very seriously anybody with that attitude is going to appreciate it when they get there. If they do. All I want to do is just miss hell. That ain't, that ain't even in the book. He didn't say, you ain't, you ain't got one verse. I can stay here on midnight. You ain't got one verse that says he saved you to miss hell. He saved you to, for His glory. He saved you for a purpose. He saved you for His inheritance. He saved you to sanctify you. He saved you to use you. I got all them verses, but you ain't got one verse. If He saved you for heaven, He should have killed you ten minutes after He saved you. Because you would have went on to heaven. But He didn't save us for that. He saved us to stand. Paul said, having done all. I'll stand for the Lord. You say, it's going to cost you something. I could care less. 33 years, I done paid a whole lot of it. Why should I give up what I paid to get out now? Say you should go to jail. Oh, we go every Sunday and preach. I reckon we can preach five days a week or six. And by the way, it's economical living in there from what I hear. <laughs> you know, all of these scare tactics that these liars, hypocrites, and rogues use during their campaigns, all of them, all of them. It don't matter if he's Democrat or not. It's just as many Republicans are going to hang out over hell before it's over. Oh, you ain't, you, well, I'm a Democrat. I don't care what you are. i tell you what we all are. We're all accountable for the purpose God put us in. And God is not worried about a party. He is planning one. 500 million dollars in Social Security benefits went to inmates. Last year. Now, Mr. Gore wants to give everybody in Florida some Social Security, and he's taking away them days. But he can't do that 
and neither can George, and neither will anybody else who goes in there, because anybody that will sit up and suck up to that, that garbage and believe it, you got cardboard keeping your ears from beating themselves to death for a brain. Go to Cave Social Security. That was the stupidest thing he ever said. But it was the thing that got the dog leg with him. Because them snowbirds are in them three counties. Scared to death they wasn't going to get $380 a month. You pick up cans and make more than Social Security can give you. And let me say, anybody resting in that little old check that comes in that see-through manila folder envelope, you're trusting in that every month? May the mailman miss yours monthly. Because I want to tell you, before there ever was SSI, there was H-E-A-V-E-N, and a God was sitting on the throne who said, I'll save you and give you what you need. Your security better be higher than the treasury building. What do you say? Then thank God I got me a purpose. I think I'll just stand in it. Until I see the king. Well, not only that, let me ask you something. You going to stand in your purpose? Do you have a purpose? Well, I'm just sort of flopping around on the boat, preacher. I don't know what I'm going to do. Get you a purpose. Find out what it is God wants you to do. If you're not in it, get in it. If you can't get in it right now, just be patient. God may be get, get, taking you the scenic route. He'll get you where you ought to be in time. Don't you just hyperventilate and start... Uh, uh, you know, having to put your head in a bag. Now, God's going to take you through. He'll help you. But you're going to have to decide. I'm going to stand. Why hadn't he put me in my purpose? Because he ain't taught you to stand in it yet. If he puts you in it, you quit, and you just be another casualty along the way and discourage people like me and others who are trying to stand. Well, I want to stand in my purpose. When you get the strength to stand, he'll show you the purpose where you can stand. Number two, <laughs> I'm going to stand in my praying. I'm going to stand in my purpose, and I want to tell you, I'm not going to quit praying till I see the king. I'm not going to give up because the devil slips around and says, they ain't moving, they ain't changing. You're just bumping your gums, ain't nothing happening. You just keep talking to God and begging God and pleading with God. I'm praying about some things right now that I've got wrote down in my Bible that are going through my mind that I pray for daily. And some of them things that I'm praying about my own self. And you know, the more I pray about them, sometimes the worse they get. And the more I give attention to them in prayer, the worse they get. The more the devil seems to turn the heat up. But I want to tell you something, blessed be God, I'm not sitting down. I'm not going to posture myself in the sit-down position yet because, hallelujah, I still got me some verses. I still got me some reasoning. And I'm going to stand until I see my prayer answered. I'm not going to let that church member go to hell. I know it's lost. If you're that wife praying for that husband, don't sit down on it now. Don't give up on it now. If you got children outside of God, don't give up on it now. The king's coming. He's coming. Good God Almighty. I said he's coming. Stand in there until he comes. Don't do it. The devil wants you to sit down. He wants some college students to sit down and learn how to relax themselves in a posture of do nothing. This is the day we don't need to be idling. This is the day we need us some airplane fuel in our tank. We need some white uh, unleaded gas in our, in our tank. We need some pure octane. And we need to decide. We're going to tell a story. And when we need a prayer answer, we know where we can go. First Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without what? Ceasing. Come on, y'all. Pray without what? 
ceasing. Matthew 26 and 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. Oh, but when it comes to prayer, this old flesh is what? Weak. Yes, it is. But it's not sitting down yet. Oh, I may be weak and floundering around. I may be having a hard time to stand. And I may be propping myself up against something. But hallelujah, there ain't no chair glued to my rear end yet. Amen. I'm still in the battle. I might be weak in it, but I'm still in the fight. I still know where my God talks to me from. I still know that prayer is real. I still know that God still speaks to us. And glory, I'm going to just stay in my prayer till I see the king. Watch and pray. Don't enter into temptation. Oh, blessed be God. I'm glad to know that the Word of God says in Luke 11 and 5, And he said unto them, Which of you having shall have a friend, and shall go into him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me. I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are in my bed, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. He may not do it because he's a good friend. He may not do it because he's his neighbor. He may not do it because uh, they're close bosom friends. But hey, he will do it if you'll keep on knocking on the door. He's going to have to get up. He can't sleep with you beating on the door. And I'm going to tell you something. God wants you asking him. And he said, though he will not rise and give because of his friend, but because of the importunity he will rise and give you his friend as he needs. And I say unto you, ask. Read it with me. Ask, and it shall be given you. Come on, y'all. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Give God glory if you're glad he still hears and answers us. Now, are you clapping your hands sitting down? Are you clapping your hands standing up in your prayer? I'm not going to quit praying. Until I see the king. Or until I see an answer from the king. I'm not going to do it. I won't encourage you to do the same thing. Philippians 1. I'm sorry. Look at this verse. Philemon 1 and 22. Steve, listen to what this says. Paul speaking to Philemon. In the 22nd verse. But withal, prepare me also a lodging. Paul said, get me somewhere to stay. For I trust that through your prayer, I shall be given unto you. Did you know that somebody is trusting in your prayer? Paul said, I need somewhere to lay down. I need somewhere to rest. I need somewhere to abide. I need a lodging place. He said, and I think if you'll pray, God will give me to you. But Philemon, if you don't, there's a good chance I won't make it. And I want to tell every one of you something. If we'll pray, God will give us what we need. If we'll stand in our prayer and not give up because the friend won't get up out of the bed at midnight, beat on the door until he gets up and gives you what you need. Just keep calling out on God till your husband bows in the altar. Keep on calling out on God till your wife folds up and gets right. Don't sit around and get mad and quit. Don't you sit around and look at the circumstances. Don't bathe yourself in the excuses. Don't let yourself get hung up in all the camaraderie around. The answer, stay with God. Don't hunt you somebody else. Stay with God. Don't quit that job yet. Stay with God. Bombard the throne. 
going to see the king. They said of David Brainerd, that missionary to the American Indians, the, one of the first missionaries that ever preached to North American Indians. I'm talking about real, traditional, bona fide Indians in this country. They wouldn't receive anybody. They wouldn't let anybody preach to them. They wouldn't let anybody tell them nothing. They were very violent and vehemently in love with their own traditions, and their gods were more than David Brainerd's was. But David Brainerd knelt in the snow in the middle of a field where he knew they'd pass by. And they said David Brainerd prayed in a snowstorm, snow deep. They said he prayed for them Indians. And said the thing that broke it and gave him entrance into their heart was one day he was in a field praying. They said he was praying with such fervency and with such fire that the snow melted seven foot around him in a circle. They said that man wallowed and prayed and wallowed and prayed and begged God and laid in that snow. And they said all the way around him, he said his whole body could extend itself and never touch a snowflake. Those Indians stopped to listen to this man talk to, to his God. And from that day forth, they took him in. And prayer was the key that unlocked the door to the mission work of David Brainerd. One man was on the mission field one time, and one of the nationals there, they were trying to have a, a breakthrough. They were having, they're trying to get in. They were trying to see God do something. He was teaching them God could do anything. And a man had a hundred and five and a half fever. And they didn't know how they was going to get it down. They said, if we don't get it down, he's going to die. One of the men looked at him and said, you said your God could make him live. If that prayer thing works, why don't you pray? And show us this man coming this away. And they said, there's something in the rain. And they went down there. The missionary ran down to the bottom of the hill before he could get down there. The storm met him face to face, and it was hail about half the size of golf balls. And he picked it up in a bucket and took it back and put that ice on that man's body. And that fever broke. And so did that whole colony of people that the Holy Ghost had decided to save. I want to tell you something tonight. Manipulation ought not even be in our vocabulary. Self-will and self-image and self-bootstraps and self-ability and capability ought to be thrown out. And we ought to reach up and say, until I see the king, I'm going to rely on some old-fashioned Holy Ghost praying to get me through. Let me ask you something tonight. Have you ever seen that verse that tells us that if you stop praying, it's sinful? Look at what the Word of God says on that screen. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Sin against the Lord. What, drinking? Oh, no. Smoking? Oh, running? What? Oh, no, no, no. Shoot, no, not, 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 not playing around. Just don't pray for your preacher. Don't pray for your church. Don't pray for your own heart. If you do, and if I do not, God knows I'm weak as anybody but if I or you are together, we do not find ourselves standing in prayer instead of sitting in comfort. Chalk another area of repentance up. And thank God His blood will forgive you. But I want to challenge you tonight. Don't need it so much. Don't need it so much. Don't, don't impose on God's grace so much. 
pray. How many of you tonight say amen to the statement? I think I'll just stand in my prayer until I see the king. Amen. John, God's got you where he wants you because he wants you to be where he wants to take you. He wants to fit you for a place, but right now he's got you in that stretching machine. Right now he's got you in that difficult place. Right now he's molding you and making you, fitting you for the place. Don't run off now. and do anything crazy. He's going to help you. Number three, I think I'll just stand in my praising. I think I'll just keep on shouting. When it feels good, I think I'll just keep on praising the Lord. When it don't feel good, I think I'll just thank Him for when it did. It ain't always going to be like it is. It ain't always going to be negative. It ain't always going to be down and out. Hey, hallelujah to God, you may be in the valley right now, but that's because you're in between two mountains. Don't worry about it. God's going to let you climb to the peak. God's going to let you breathe some good fresh air before it's over. Don't quit now. Stand up. Be counted in your praise. Psalm 150, let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. Anybody in here that ain't breathing, I'd appreciate it very much so I'd haul them out. I don't want to be around nobody that's not consciously breathing. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath. Not everything that's happy. Not everything that's uh, uh, independent. Not everything that has a beneficial jingle in their pocket. Not everything that has to give son to the tree. Not everything that has a great home or a great house. Hey, let everything that's breathing. He cut it right down there where we could all do it. He said in Psalm 7, 17, I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness, and we'll sing praise to the name of God most high. Psalm 9, 1, I will praise Thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I'll show forth all Thy marvelous works. 9, 2, I will be glad and rejoice in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Thou Most High. Hebrew 13 and 15 says, By Him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. How long? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Won't you stand up with me tonight? All over the building. Read that text verse. First Samuel, you can remember this one. <clears throat> you can remember this one pretty easy. It's 1611. It's not hard. 